All right, this is Philip Clementson. We're getting ready to start a new unit today on the story of the Old Testament. And um, we're going, we just took some prayer requests, so we're going to ask Brother Thurman to lead us in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you so much for this morning. Lord, just thank you for allowing us to be here and to be able to gather. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, and we thank you most of all for the blood of Jesus. Father, you have already heard the prayer request. Father, you already know each and one of our needs as well as those who names who was called out. You said that you be lifted up from the earth, you would draw all men unto you. Lord, we ask that you would draw right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us today, Lord. Help us to stand on your word. Help us, Lord, to be able to hold on, Lord, to our faith. Lord, the faith you have given us through the Holy Ghost. Oh, Father God, just move in a mighty way today. We'd ask that you would just bless this class. And most of all, Lord, bless those, Lord, who has been affected, Lord, by the virus that's here in this church. We pray for strength. We pray, Father God, that you would continue to help them, Lord, through these times. Most of all, Lord, give them wisdom as they go through. Uh, we already know that you are a healer, and we know that there is nothing that you can't touch. Your name is above everything. Even name, your name is above uh, the coronavirus. Father, we are calling on your name, and we know that you got everything under control. And most of all, just help us, Lord, just to continue, Lord, to just pray one for another. And, Lord, just continue, Lord, to trust, Lord, that you're going to work everything out for, for your glory. Bless Brother Clemens today as he teaches us. Continue to give him wisdom. Oh, Lord, continue to give him knowledge. And most of all, allow us to not to be hearers, but to be doers of your precious word. And we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. our review for Revelation, so we'll go over that first. Uh, ten are true and false, true or false, I should say, and then we have ten that are multiple choice. And so uh, the first one is the book of Revelation is introduced as the revelation of John the Beloved. Is that true or false? It's kind of tricky there, but it's they they point out the fact in our quarterly that it's really the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of John, uh, although John is the one that received it. Yeah, so it's false. Yeah. Uh, the next one is though seemingly opposite, Jesus is described in Revelation as both a lion and a lamb. That's true. And then we come to the creatures and elders set in silent awe after the Lord, or the Lamb, took the scroll. That's false, because they immediately just fell down and worshiped and praised God. Uh, number four is because Christ is the Savior, he has no role in judging the world. Of course, that's false because that's what he's going to be doing definitely when he comes back. Uh, number five, Jesus' visible return to earth with his saints occurs prior to an earthly millennial reign. And we believe that's true. Um, because 
you have to have the king here before you have a millennial reign. Uh, seven, uh, six, I mean, the leaves from the tree of life provide healing to the nations. And that's also true. Seventh, uh, Jesus identified himself to John as one who was dead. Right, he was dead, but now he's alive forevermore. And uh, the Nicolonians were the most devoted followers of Jesus among the churches of Asia Minor. Of course, that's false. He hates the deeds of the Nicolonians. Um, the beast and the false prophet are sent to a different place than Satan is during the millennial reign. And that's true, because the beast and false prophet are cast in a lake of fire where Satan is thrown into a bottomless pit. Uh, and then later cast in the lake of fire. Uh, number 10, the walls of New Jerusalem are decorated with every kind of precious stone. And that's true. In the multiple choice, the principal figure in the opening chapters of Revelation is A, the Apostle John, B, Jesus, or C, the angel. Uh, the principal figure, of course, is Jesus as he sees him there in the midst of the candlesticks. So it'd be B. Two in the New Jerusalem, as described in chapter 21, there's no temple there. And that's true because uh, because either the Lord God and the Lamb are its temple or the body of Christ makes up the temple or the entirety of the new earth is the new temple. So that would be A, the Lord God is the temple of it. Um, and that shows us why the new, new Jerusalem is different than heaven. In heaven there is a temple, but in the New Jerusalem there is no temple. Um, by appearing as the lamb that was slain, Jesus A, endorsed the continued sacrifice of, of uh, lambs under the law, B, identified with the martyrs of the early church, C, illustrated his identity as the supreme sacrifice for sin. And so that would be C. I've got to watch these legs on the stool. Um, I mean, Stan. So it'd be C. He identifies himself as supreme sacrifice. Four of the following options, the description of Christ not found in Revelation is A, faithful and true, alpha, B, alpha and omega, C, meek and mild. Meek and mild is the answer there because that is not found in Revelation. He is meek and mild, but it's not found in describing him in Revelation. The two churches that Jesus did not rebuke in his message to the churches of Asia Minor were A, Laodicea and Pergamon, B, Philadelphia and Smyrna, and C, Ephesus and Thyatira. B, B. Uh, it was... Philadelphia and Smyrna. He didn't find any fault with. Um, about the temple. Um, it's, there's no temple in New Jerusalem because A, the Lord God and the Lamb are its temple. 
6, Revelation 20 teaches that when Christ returns, he will set up an earthly kingdom and reign for A, a thousand years, B, seven years, or C, 144,000 years. Of course, that's thousand years because that's what millennium means, a thousand years. And then, of course, he's going to reign forever as far as that goes. But when he sets up his earthly kingdom first during the millennium, it'll be a thousand years. Seven, John's revelation of Christ occurred when he was in exile in A, Sardis, B, Patmos, or C, Malta. Of course, it's B, uh, Patmos. When communicating to the church in Laodicea, Jesus promised that the victorious would, A, become one of the elders dressed in white, seated around the throne, or B, avoid the impending persecution to the church, or C, sit with him on his throne like he did with the Father. And uh, so that was a promise to the overcomers there in Laodicea which would be C, sit with him on his throne. Uh, Nine, this is the one I missed. (laughs) I always miss one. Uh, When Jesus said he would rather the Christians in Laodicea be hot or cold, he meant he would rather A, they fulfill a useful, active purpose in the kingdom, B, that they be either Pentecost or non-Pentecostal, Uh, C, that they be either on fire for the gospel or cold toward the Lord. So it looks like C, but the answer is A. I I missed that one. I I went with C. Uh, That he wants us to be active, in other words, fulfill useful, active purpose in the kingdom. Ten, after the Lamb took the scroll... In chapter 5, the elders and living creatures first responded by A, falling before him and singing, B, feasting at the banquet of the Lord, or C, preparing him for the battle of Armageddon. That's A, of course, falling before him and singing. So that's a pretty good review of Revelation. And now we go all the way back to Genesis. (laughs) And... um, This is an interesting study, this unit, about the story of the Old Testament. Um, There are many stories in the Old Testament, but uh, there's just one big story of the Old Testament. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the story of the Old Testament and beginning with Genesis today and then Exodus next Sunday. So uh, they wanted me to test your memory about some Bible facts, what you know about the Bible facts. And as you say it, I'll write it down. Anybody know any Bible facts? Any Bible facts? For instance, how many books in the Bible? All right, you see, you know it. 66 books.
Okay, that's a good fact. Psalm 118, it's the middle of the Bible. And also uh, Psalm 119 is the largest chapter. And Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. So, so Psalm 119 is the longest. And Psalm... 117 is the shortest. It's only about two verses. And of course you all know the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, right? And words that found uh, that's found in in the book of John, I believe the 11th chapter because it had to do with And so I think that's 35, if I'm not mistaken, the shortest verse. All right, come on in. We're just talking about some Bible facts as we're learning to study the Bible. And uh, some of y'all may not have a quarterly or... All right, good to see you. So we're going over some Bible facts. Um, it was uh, written by 40 different authors. In how long of a period? Anybody know that? 1,600, yeah, in 16 hundred years and so it's amazing how how it's such a remarkable book that even though it has 40 different authors and they they have different vocations some were shepherds some were fishermen some were uh, uh, poets uh, so but 40 different authors wrote in a period of about 1,600 years the entire Bible. And of course, we have this uh, poster here that I found that says, all scripture is God-breathed. And so even though he used 40 different authors, <coughs> it was the inspiration that God gave them as he breathed upon them by the Spirit of God. As, as Peter says, that that it was holy men of God wrote as they were uh, breathed upon or inspired upon by the Holy Spirit. So really the, the, uh, the real author of the whole Bible is the Holy Spirit. And uh, as, as you read uh, Hebrews, it keeps saying the Holy Ghost said in a certain place, you know, because I like that. That not just the Bible said, but the Holy Ghost has said. Yeah. Uh, so 40 different authors in 1600 years uh, wrote the Bible. And um, I've got some statistics that I wrote in the front of my Bible that, of course, the, the Old Testament is 
39 books and the New Testament is 27 books and there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible and the Old Testament has 929 and the New Testament 260 and then the verses in the Bible there's 31,173 altogether uh, 23,214 in the Old Testament 7,959 in the New Testament. The words in the Bible is 773,692. And uh, if you break it down, of course, this is the King James Bible facts. The letters in the Bible is 3,566,400. And 80. So there's some interesting facts to write about the Bible. <laughs> but it definitely was uh, written by 40 different authors over a course of about 1,600 years. And so this entire quarter that we're studying now is devoted to the presenting the big picture view of the scriptures, so you're not gonna have a verse by verse study uh, in this particular uh, quarter. Uh, this unit focuses on the Old Testament, tracing the story of God's interaction with humanity, starting from creation and moving through the birth and history of his people until after their exile. And uh, so as you look at the scriptures you see a number of recurring themes such as grace, mercy, love, holiness, judgment, hope for the faithful, and it is uh, going to be presented also in the New Testament as well, those uh, particular themes. So in lesson one here, the emphasis is on uh, building the foundation of scripture's teaching, namely that God is creator and sovereign Lord. By his grace and according to his plan, he created a covenant people and a nation through which he would deliver the Messiah to the world. Um, so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis, the first chapter. You remember when Jesus spoke to John on the Isle of Patmos that we just studied in Revelation. That fam does not want me to keep the Bible. Uh, it starts out in the beginning. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So we were studying about the ending in Revelation, and so the beginning starts here in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Satan is always trying to get people to doubt that one statement. That's where evolution comes in, you know. They say, no, God didn't create it, it just evolved. <coughs> they had a good movie on Daystar last night about a matter of faith where they had this debate between 
a creationist and an evolutionist. Of course, they did that a long time ago in the United States with the Scopes trial, as it was called, the monkey trial. And um, so the conclusion was it is a matter of faith for the evolutionists or for the creationists because none of us were there at creation. And so we have to... Uh, believe that God knows what he says in his word and uh, you know as soon as Satan first came to Eve he said hath God said in other words he's always trying to put down the scriptures as being what God has said so it's a matter of belief we have to believe that God created the heavens and the earth and then it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters so some believe that there could be a period of time there between verse 1 and verse 2 the reason is we know in Isaiah that Lucifer uh, rebelled against God, and that's how he became the devil, the adversary of God. And it seems to indicate in Isaiah, I don't know where I put a marker there or not, but in the uh, 14th chapter of Isaiah, In the 12th verse, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which dis weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. So he wasn't in heaven when he said that. He said, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. It always speaks of heaven being in the northern atmosphere or hemisphere. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now earth is about the only planet that really has such clouds as it's talking about. So it could be that, that Lucifer ruled this earth at one time. And because of his rebellion that we read about there in, in the uh, 14th chapter of Isaiah, he was uh, going to ascend up and, and do a rebellion in heaven. And, and instead, God said, no, I'm going to cast you down. And uh, if he was the ruler of the original earth that God created, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, then as punishment and as cleansing for this earth, he sent this worldwide flood the first time and washed out uh, that earth. And that's why it said, it became without form and void. God wouldn't make something without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
But then also we notice in that verse that there was a trinity involved. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the Holy Spirit is eternal. God is, uh, the Son is eternal. We know not anything was made that was made that wasn't by the Son. And the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and so forth, as, as John talks about in his Gospel of John. You just don't like this Bible, do you? Uh, the problem is I have some loose pages here in the Bible. Uh, but anyway, um, so when it said God there, it uses the word Elohim, Elohim or something. Write it. And that's a plural form of God. So we know there's only one God, but it's speaking of the whole trinity of the Elohim was involved with the creation of the earth and the heavens too, the heaven and earth. Um, so we see definitely it mentions the spirit of God was here. And then when God was getting ready to create man, he says, let us make man in our own image. So it seems to be a conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before man was uh, created. So the first thing he said it was, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. So He's bringing order out of all this chaos that was on the earth there in verse 2. And so the first thing he, he creates is light. And then um, he calls the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then it says the evening and the morning were the first day. Now this has been uh, theorized that that. Uh, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, so it could have been thousands of years for him to create this earth. However, Moses is writing this, and <coughs> Moses was thinking of a 24-hour day, because how many days do you have in one evening and morning? And uh, so uh, it was also was told in uh, Exodus that Moses wrote that it may be in here too uh, how that on the seventh day he rested and God blessed the seventh day it's in chapter 2 and sanctified it because in it he had rested and um, so he, it seems to indicate uh, a literal seven-day week. Uh -huh. The way he created was by speaking it. It doesn't take long for something to happen. Right. Speaking. So it's easy that it happened in a 24-hour span. Yeah, he's God. I mean, that's, that's my opinion and my interpretation, but I don't, it doesn't take me right. thousand years. Right. Amen. Yeah, he, he 
he can do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, but it seems to indicate that he was speaking of actually 24-hour day, a day because of the fact of the uh, commandment, you know, to remember the seventh day to keep it holy, for in six days God created the earth. And uh, so uh, there's several scriptures that back that up, that, that it was a literal six days that God created the earth. And then on the seventh day, he rested and hallowed it. Okay, um, so we have an interesting correlation between the creation days, which will help you to remember. Let me see if I got it here. Yes, uh, I thought I had a paragraph on it. In day one here, we see God created light. The first time. And then second thing that he created was the firmament. or atmosphere, as we'd call it. And the third thing he created was land, separated the land from the water. Then on the fourth day, he created the two lights, which we know are the sun and moon. So that goes along with that. what he did on the first day. He put the lights then of the sun and moon, and then on the fifth day on the firmament you have birds and fish that he created on the fifth day and on the sixth day he created man and animals so they correlate if you notice that uh God is such an excellent creator that he, he first made land before he made man, or man was just floating out in space, you know. And so he, he made the firmament for the birds and the fish to take to uh, inhabit. And uh, then the two lights came along on the fourth day. Now we know Jesus is the light of the world. But he wasn't created. He's always been. He's always eternal. But uh, scientists have discovered that there's a cosmic light that you can see in the universe that isn't even the sun or moon. So it was more of a cosmic light. But uh, if you're going to make something, you want to turn on the light first. So he, he turned on the light first. He created the light. And then later he created, on the fourth day, the light bears, which would be the sun, moon, and stars. So God used chosen people to carry out his plan is the next section here. Uh, 
These are verses 3 to 31, by the way. So that's that whole chapter of Genesis 1. And we also are told that he made both male and female. And uh, the original marriage was when the father brought the bride to Adam. And so that's the way we still do in our marriage ceremonies usually. The father brings the bride down the aisle to the uh, groom. <laughs> that's the word. Uh, so, um, and also, Jesus referred to the fact, you know, that in the very beginning, it was a marriage between a man and a woman. And uh, so this homosexual ideal and same-sex marriage is very much contrary to God's plan and to his word. And uh, homosexuality and, and uh, transgenderism, all is rebellion against God's creation. And uh, America's gonna pay the price for acknowledging that. Yeah, we already are, right. <coughs> so then uh, we go to chapter 12 where we see the call of Abraham. Uh, and after Adam and Eve's sin, God gave a promise of a redeemer when, uh, you know, the blame game went on there where, where <laughs> Adam blamed his wife and the wife blamed the serpent. And, and so he told the serpent, because you've done this, upon your belly you'll crawl and eat dust the rest of your life. So evidently this serpent had legs at first and then it was cursed because it caused such a fall to mankind. And, but God said, you're going to eventually bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but he will bruise your head. And uh, we know that uh, if a serpent gets bruised in the head, it takes his power away. And that's what Jesus did at the cross. And, of course, the serpent was there to bruise his heel. And, but that's a promise of redemption in Genesis 3.15 that is part of that big story because it all has to do with, with uh, bringing the Redeemer into the world. Of course, when Adam and Eve had Cain, they thought that was the Redeemer. But uh, he was far from being the Redeemer. He became the first murderer, in fact. Uh, but the seed of the woman really spoke of a virgin birth because every, everyone is usually born of a seed of man. But the seed of woman spoke of a virgin birth. And, and so when Mary brought forth her son as a virgin, she brought forth the son. He became the seed of the woman. And... Uh, so he was able to bring about redemption. And, and that's what the Bible is mainly about, is the redemption story. And uh, so uh, I know we're already out of time. But anyway, uh, it's very important that you do read these lessons yourself because we never 
have the time to go over all of them. And, uh, but it's just wonderful to realize God's plan and, and how that we serve a mighty God and uh, he was able to bring forth his plan by, by after Adam and Eve fell, he, uh, we know that mankind became so wicked that he had to send another flood and destroy mankind except for Noah and his family that he preserved. And then soon after that in Genesis 12, we have him calling out a particular people, the Jews as we call them, uh, by Abraham who was the father of the faithful and how he was tested in many ways and yet was faithful through it all. So he's a good example to us of faithfulness to God. And uh, we also through Christ become children of Abraham. And uh, then after Abraham, we have Jacob that came on the scene uh, with um, the change of his name after he wrestled with the Lord in Genesis 45, I think it is, or 32, yeah, 32, we find where David, I mean, Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and uh, the Lord changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which meant one who struggles with God. <clears throat> so this is how Israel came into being. So Genesis is a book that shows us the beginning of a lot of things, the beginning of creation, the beginning of sin, the beginning of uh, the redemption story. And uh, so um, we'll, we'll find more about God's redemption plan next week when we get into Exodus. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your word, Lord, that, that it is truly a love story and that it is the story of redemption and how that you, in your grace and mercy, has provided a way for our salvation and, and that we will have that paradise restored again to us as we read there in Revelation. And we pray that you'll just be with us now as we go into the service to follow. Anoint every part of that service, Lord, and speak to hearts that they will also experience redemption today if they do not know you. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>